0: Welcome to the Intellectual Freedom Podcast. Here we analyze politics, culture, technology, personal growth and development, and society at large through the lens of critical thinking and open-mindedness, not demagoguery and partisan hyperbole. I'm Dr. David Hopkins, humanities professor, your host and guide. So without further delay, let's get started. So glad you're joining me here today. I've talked a little bit on this topic today, but I think it warrants even further discussion. This phenomenon that is known as cancel culture, it happens in universities, the mass media, corporations, politicians, even just everyday citizens. People are being canceled for expressing a view. I'm not going to spend time giving specific examples of this. We all know it happens all the time. You can Google it and read as many as you like. I'm more interested in the why. What happened in culture that it has become acceptable to do this? It's a fascinating, more complex, and a much more nuanced question of why this is going on. So as I think many Americans, myself included, we just shake our head at people who so aggressively want to shout down and cancel a voice just because they don't agree with it. It's become way too easy to justify canceling someone in the name of racism or sexism or any other ism that they can apply to, to silence a voice. Along the way, over the past couple of decades especially, we see this fervent, almost militant or bizarre religious type fervor as so many seem to take great joy in shouting someone down or causing someone to lose a career or a job, or even just plain expressing an opinion. Where did this come from? When did the bastion of free speech and open dialogue, which emerged in the 60s in some of the most liberal places like Berkeley, become such a hate-mongering, shout-down cancel culture. The extremes, obviously, they don't represent the whole. But the extremes are the most loud, the most obnoxious, the most angry, the most shout-down-ish type people. And we see our most vivid example on the extremes. Anybody who's had a business or had a group of people know that the most difficult... 10% take up 80% of your time, whether you've been a manager or in a classroom. But again, we need to look at the extreme because this is where this is coming from. And I'm absolutely fascinated about it. And why now? It's been perplexing for me for quite some time where this fervor to cancel arose. And it didn't just automatically pop up instantaneously it's been developing over a period of time and in tracing the characteristics of the evolution of an american culture that that in the beginnings extolled free speech that that held that as one of its most important values to where we're at right now where our allegedly most vaunted universities are shutting down voices in mortifying amounts. And this scares the heck out of, out of all, many of us here in America. Heck, I can find more open dialogue in the community colleges in America than the walls of the quote-unquote elite intellectual centers of Harvard, Berkeley, Princeton, etc. So let's dig into this. As I think many Americans are wondering... How in the hell did this happen? What in the world is wrong with the people who simply don't see a problem in the shutdown, binary, winner take all cancel culture? Democracy is not a football game where my team wins, the other team loses. That isn't how a democracy functions efficiently. As that binary approach, if it persists too long, will ultimately lead to one side quote-unquote winning and the other side losing. And then we no longer have a democracy. We have socialism. The cancel culture mob should be careful, very careful, when they claim victory, as that victory may take them to a very ugly and nasty place that isn't really victory at all, but rather is defeat for the entire nation. The most cliche statements is if we don't understand history, history will repeat itself. Well, here's one of these examples, but let's go ahead and jump into it. What is the motivation of those that shout down cancel culture? Who are these activists? I think some of it is just good old-fashioned virtue signaling. That oh so intoxicating for some people, this phenomena of Outrage and sharing of one's point of view on social media uh, about their political issues in order to receive praise or acknowledgement of of someone's own moral and ethical righteousness from others. Uh, they they like to get the likes. They like to hear the the glowing comments about how they how they're so enlightened. And when they share that point of view, or they attack those that don't share that point of view. I mean, virtue signaling, in many ways, it's been around uh, since almost the beginning of time, especially amongst younger crowds where that desire to fit in, of, of wanting, almost needing to fit in. So this isn't new, but targets of virtue signaling to literally end someone else's career, attack verbally someone so severely simply for not agreeing with them, has taken on a new level of vitriol and hatred in our world of social media. It seems this antagonistic cancel culture, it's, very, it, it's a very quick route to personal virtue. It's an easy way to success without any work, hardship, or sacrifice whatsoever. You know, shouting down and canceling a voice versus showing empathy for another opinion or demonstrating humility and open-mindedness, those are really, really hard things. And it's uncomfortable for some people to really dive into understanding other viewpoints. It takes listening. It takes critical thinking. Whereas it is way easier to send a nasty post to a corporation or a media figure or Hollywood star or athlete or walk down a street lambasting them and trying to get them canceled. So rather than to to seek this shared understanding, it's more simply fun, socially gratifying, in their eyes, to scream, yell, shout, and cancel. It almost seems like it's treated as a sporting event, as I mentioned just a minute ago, where they attempt to win, and they do win if they shut somebody up, or they lose if they don't. But either way, they will not, Under any circumstance, listen to the opposing viewpoint. The blood sport of cancel culture does seem to have a strong element as if you're doing something just because to see if we can get somebody knocked off the podium of discussion all in the name of, of course, their self-determined righteousness of cause. So this virtue signaling mindset is a problem. It is so easy to be really vocal And really public when you're in the in crowd on a cancel attack. But if we think about it, the hardest thing to do is really working on our own flaws, which can be really embarrassing and hard. And they don't get any social status points for that. And in actuality, if someone does ultimately fix those ugly personal flaws or characteristics, they may not even be willing to share it. But, oh, the activists in the cancel culture mob, they get public acclaim for doing, well, nothing. No introspection, no critical thinking, no inward humility at all. Cancel culture doesn't solve any of the really hard social issues ever. You know, long after a corporation bends the knee to cancel culture, or the public figure is fired and disgraced, or whatever, the underlying social problems remain the same. We could today topple every single monument, which was in fashion last summer, that is even mildly associated to anything whatsoever in the era of slavery in the United States. We could literally erase them from the entire history book. And the rage of canceling these things, the rage of destroying them, They do nothing. They do nothing to the underlying issue that slavery happened, nor will it ever get rid of racism. See how that virtue signaling can give an appearance as if you're doing something, when in fact, you're really not. You know, for some, I think that it's it's almost a feel-good drug, kind of like a dopamine hit to be part of an angry mob on the warpath. Cancel things. Feels like you're doing something. Feels like you're involved in a greater thing. And yet, they don't really have to go to war. They don't have to see the blood. They don't have to see blown off body parts, the dead body. They just gain virtual credibility for not really doing anything. Now, it is important and it is an aspect of free speech that we gather, we demonstrate, we organize, and we voice an opinion. That is all good. But when it comes to destroying somebody else that you just happen not to agree with, this is where we cross over the line. But on to another thing. I I think amongst the cancel culture, there may be some of that messianic impulse, that, that Michael Jackson song, those of you that remember, Make the World a Better Place. Some may, at some oversimplistic level, think that shouting down voices of people we do not agree is good or ethical, as some get so entrenched in ideological extremes that canceling or shutting up the other side is almost a crusade of sorts, a crusade to end racism, sexism, save the environment, or whatever the the issue might be. This single-minded view, I think, though, is completely misplaced. Yes, Of course, we want people to have compassion and care for others, to not be racist or sexist or misogynistic or whatever it is. It's a good thing to be concerned with broad and big issues. I'm not saying that. I don't want to come across as some Darwinian, don't care about the poor or the oppressed, survival of the fittest. But I think the cancel culture is taking the easy road at solving very hard and very complex problems and at the personal level taking that low level that low road of simply screaming at somebody else versus trying to understand work with collaborate find a common ground solution is really the wrong way to go because in the end We end up with a bunch of people being critical, not being critical thinkers, but rather they're ideological zombies trying to solve a problem. Finally, another simple reason that I believe this might be coming. uh, Some of it's just flat out immature acting out. And immature doesn't mean your age. There's some older individuals that are more immature than a 17 or 18 year old. So let's not Let's not base it on a biological age. I'm talking about immaturity age as in not developing into a mature adult. Uh, But, you know, at the younger levels, it's almost part of that youthful rebellion thing um, where, you know, we like to exert this growing force as we mature from adolescence to adult. And especially the Gen Z and millennials, they tend to doubt authority as we have seen, especially... Um, in this postmodern world, I'm going to talk a little bit about postmodernism in, in a little bit, um, where the belief almost is that authority um, is contaminated by just one real thing, a, a desire for power, um, this undeserved access to power, and, and the far fringes of the radical left or the radical right, let's face it, a lot of it is about power. If everything is oppressed, then using power to shout down, it's an acceptable tool to win, as whomever can shout the loudest can win. But I still, but I still don't think I've sufficiently covered this, as I think there's another level, a level that goes incredibly deep, because it seems at the fringe of the far left, especially, this is where cancel culture is powerful. And it's showing a dramatic perception change in modern Western culture. So if the, if the cancel culture mentality is as powerful as it seems or is growing, we should look back to all the way to the Enlightenment, the 17th century, and what it represented as this emerged and how the philosophical ideas from the Enlightenment have had such a profound impact on Western culture and politics for almost 400 years now. Because it seems it's being displaced. And just as importantly, how this humanistic enlightenment, sadly, is not as accepted as it once was, possibly beginning to run its course in modern culture, and that should be scary for all of us. And how the new vanguard, espoused in this postmodernist viewpoint, sadly, and very scarily... Not sure scarily is actually a word, but scarily gives us answers to some of the frustrating and angering emergence of cancel culture. So there are fundamental cl- questions that lie at the heart of human culture and cultural movements when we look at, at, at the philosophical side of things. So let's explore these just briefly and how really the degradation of the, of the humanistic individual freedom of the Enlightenment is leading, a da- leading us towards this dangerous postmodernist viewpoint that is almost drastic, complete change from the Enlightenment and even the modernist movement, which allows the idea of cancel culture to become not only acceptable, but it actually becomes a virtuous and ethical way to deal with conflict. This is very, very scary to many people. And by the way, we are heading down this path. See, there was a period of time starting roughly around the 17th to 18th century where a philosophical movement called the Enlightenment emerged. This intellectual and philosophical movement, it dominated the world of ideas in Europe, and it ultimately made its way over to the colonies in America and became embedded literally in our Declaration of Independence and our Constitution. So what was this movement all about? Well, when we look at the Enlightenment and what had existed before, you had despotic kings and, and queens and rulers, this landed gentry tied together very tightly with a Roman Catholic church that had become incredibly corrupt. And so the Enlightenment was a complete attack on this entrenched monarchical society. And the Enlightenment included a range of ideas and they centered on the pursuit of happiness Uh, sovereignty of reason and evidence of the senses, our rational senses as a source of knowledge and advanced ideas such as liberty, progress, tolerance, fraternity, constitutional government, separation of church and state. I mean, we could go on and on these ideas of shared intellectual inquiry and critical thinking and scientific method These were all in vogue during this period of time. And we saw all of these monarchies collapse and and we saw constitutional democracies emerge. And, you know, humanism was roundly applauded as, as if when humans beings, they work together and they debate and they listen and they discuss They can reach a higher order of society and civilization, and voila, the greatness of humanity can emerge. It's during this time that free speech, traditional freedom of speech as we know it, grew. The idea that basically we learn from each other, we discuss, we listen, we change, we evaluate, we collaborate, uh, we mutually modify our opinions, and we reach a conclusion that something good, or at least it's agreeable, and we strive for better. And here's the great thing. We do it together. Even when we don't agree, we collectively believe the whole of the various opinions is always better than the individual parts. That traditional view that we are all Americans first and foremost, and even though we disagree, our shared bond allows us to hold different views without malice or hate that's the traditional view but we don't live in the world of the enlightenment in the 21st century heck we don't we don't even, we don't live in the 1920th century of early modernism when you go back to the early 1900s or 1920s 30s 40s 50s uh through through world war II and all that fallout where the focus was a desire for the creation of new forms of art and philosophy and social organization. And these were reflected in, these, in the newly emerging the industrial revolution and included amazing features such as urbanization and new technologies. But no, the postmodern mindset where we're at right now, it's incredibly different. There were always struggles. But that prevailing enlightenment mindset lasted a long time. So we need to look for clues that why in the world cancel culture seems to be more and more prevalent today. So I guess we could describe postmodernism. The attitude, uh, how should we call it, we'll call it skeptical, maybe even pessimistic. And it rejects the forms that modernism tried to erect. But more importantly, it usually mocks the idea of the rational enlightenment talk of using critical thinking and discourse to bridge differences and build a more inclusive and enlightened society. See, instead of that, the postmodern mind, it focuses on the role of the ideology in maintaining political or economic power. Let me say that again. Postmodernism focuses on the role of political and economic forces to hold power. Nearly everything in postmodern philosophy, postmodern psychology, sociology, nearly everything boils down to power. Who has it, number one, and how do they use it for their own personal gains? Postmodern thinkers frequently describe knowledge Claims and value systems as nothing more than they're just socially conditioned. Framing them as nothing more than products of political, historical, racial, cultural hierarchies. From a practical sense, this is where we get into big trouble in our freedom of speech issue versus cancel culture. See, to the postmodernist, there is no more rational or ethical or moral set of values or ideas to discuss or share. There's only a landscape of warring hierarchies, controlled by things way beyond the individual's control. People in the postmodern world are nothing more than pawns or mouthpieces acting for their hierarchy. Your freedom is gone. Society and discourse is nothing but a nexus for economic and social hierarchies. The, the shared intellectual inquiry from the Enlightenment is nothing but lip service, a propaganda tool with no redeeming value. And since this is the case in postmodern thought, why even discuss anything? As everyone is doing nothing more than playing their role in a social hierarchy, which is patently racist, sexist, patriarchal, or whatever. And since everything is about power and control, and everyone is a mouthpiece to their own ideological leanings of their group, whatever the group may be, then why even listen to the other side when I can just shout the other side down and shut them up and thus win? There is no redeeming value in the postmodern mindset to find this collaborative middle ground. This cancel culture to- culture, which is so toxic, it's so revolting, and can be so infuriating through the, enlo- through the eyes of the enlightened thinker, or even the modern mindset, to the postmodern mind, cancel culture is considered good and valid and virtuous. And this is why we see celebrations of people canceled. Or shouted down. The viewpoint has been shifting philosophically in front of our very eyes. And since it is now reaching critical mass, it just becomes more and more self evident. See, to the postmodern philosophy, you and I are entirely socially constructed, we're not individual. There isn't really autonomy. There's not this idea of an autonomous, free individual. That's more a modernist and enlightenment viewpoint. You and I, to the postmodern mind, are nothing but the nexus of social forces and hierarchies. There's your group, your identity, everything is about power. Logical debate and analysis is debunked in postmodernism. The autonomous individual to the postmodern mind is a fiction. It's used to push forth their own hierarchical power. That term white privilege that you just hear talk over and over and over again. Or the patriarchal domination of society. And how everybody is being herded into racial categories, social categories, sexist categories, See, these ideological extremes, they become the norm of how we view everything in the postmodern world. And those who still believe in the idea of critical thinking, rational thought, working together, collaborating, become more and more abnormal. This boat, sadly, has probably already sailed. It's not that far away, but we see it play out in politics every single day compromise is nothing but a campaign slogan as the order of the day is to dominate win shout down shut down ignore the other political party by any means necessary but why do the postmoderns believe this here in 2021 i don't know hatred for competence is it a cain and abel desire to tear things down? For many who long for that day of a return, to the collaborative dialogue marked by freedom of speech, a cornerstone of a well-functioning democracy, they're just perplexed and angry at this cancel culture mob, and they frequently question, why would anyone want to behave in this way and kill one of the very things That hundreds of thousands of people have died since the 17th century for freedom of speech. Why destroy the very thing that finally destroyed the feudal hierarchies of kings, queens, landed gentry, controlled by elites, uh, completely connected to this corrupt Catholic church, and, and ultimately ended slavery? I wish the answer was clear, but it isn't. The one thing as a professor of the humanities that is true, humans seem to have this sick, inbred thing. We love to build things up, and then we tear them back down, and we start again. We see this in the personal lives of some people, who once they even get a little hint of success, they self-sabotage and they end up right back where they started, or even worse. So in the end, we actually are witnessing a real-life duel of philosophical ideas, although we never think of it in these terms. We have the Enlightenment, marked by shared intellectual inquiry, humanism, collaboration, critical thinking, versus the more antagonistic, tribal, hierarchical mindset of the postmodern, where the goal is to destroy and win. Because everything's about hierarchy and everything's about power. So The way to win is to put your hierarchy above everybody else's hierarchy. Could there ultimately be a backlash against this cancel culture phenomena? Well, I I suppose anything is possible. And I truly, truly hope in my heart of hearts that this happens. But these types of cultural changes, they don't normally in history run their course over the span of, say, a few years or even Twenty years and cancel culture has just slowly been seeping into our our culture, especially the last 10, 10 years or so. Uh, usually, these types of movements can take decades to play out, and then ultimately there can be a revolt against a widely held set of beliefs. Generally speaking, it to take hundreds of years. So, where you and I are at, we probably have to settle in for the fact that this isn't going away anytime soon. We should do our best to stem it and slow it and not participate in it. It would seem to me though, as politics, mass media, and culture, they want to lump everyone and everything into social and racial hierarchies. Where there are oppressors and oppressed and the solution to any and every problem is to overpower and overtake the other hierarchy, well, it seems we're, we're doomed to see this continued degradation on a large scale in our social discourse, our political discourse, and more animosity, name-calling, labeling, and virtual signaling can probably be expected from our politicians. I truly hope I'm wrong. The best we can do in our own lives is push back whenever we can against these forces. See, amazing thing with American culture The people, the average people, not the ideological extremes, but those in the middle. We need to, as we've always done, work to hold sanity at bay because we understand the value in general of collaborating and working together and living together and existing together. And so if we can hold the line as hard as possible for as long as possible, maybe, just maybe, we can push back this cancel culture back on the extremes that are trying to shove this stuff down our throat. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. I hope you found value. It's a hard topic. It's a complex topic and actually a very heated topic. I hope though it was helpful to maybe give some bigger context to where these things emerge over time, how they start to seep into culture. As in understanding the changes big picture, it can help us to appreciate the micro, the daily issues we encounter, and not get so stressed out about them and and even in our own little way try and figure out how to fight against it so if you enjoyed this podcast please share it like it subscribe Uh, then you'll be alerted whenever new episodes come available Uh, until we talk again i hope you have a great day and a wonderful